What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this video I'm going to explain the differences between buying a dividend stock when it's on sale versus market timing because multiple people confuse those concepts. But first please support my channel by hitting the thumbs up button, subscribing if you haven't yet, and clicking that bell notification. Now if you know me then you know that I often talk about how I like to invest when something is on sale. However, when I mention doing that I sometimes get comments from people who say market timing is bad, which I actually agree with, though I think my definition of market timing is different than theirs. Regardless of what your definition is, I think everyone understands that buying something on sale is usually better than buying when it isn't on sale, whether I'm talking about clothing or stocks or whatever. My wife loves coupons and finding things on sale, and stocks are no different. Which reminds me of a hack my wife told me about that she saw on TikTok, and which we tried a month ago and it actually worked. If you order a large Domino's pizza online, and you put on exactly three toppings, and you make it a carry-out pickup order, and before you pay you put in coupon code 9174, then it gives you 40% off of it. I've tried it both on the app and on the browser on their website, and both worked. I used to hate Domino's pizza when I was a kid, but ever since the CEO completely redid their pizzas, my entire family loves them. And just like pizzas sometimes go on sale, so do stocks. Every stock out there will go through periods where it's underpriced relative to its intrinsic value and periods where it's overpriced, and value investors like myself try to identify when something is cheap before we buy it, and then we tend to hold it, hopefully forever. Value investors don't fully believe in something called the efficient market hypothesis, which basically states that share prices reflect all information about a company. Instead, us value investors believe that stocks are usually underpriced or overpriced. So I agree that share prices reflect information known about the company, but I don't agree if the implication is that stocks are always at their intrinsic value. Not only do we tend not to agree fully with the efficient market hypothesis, but we are also often contrarians. What I mean is that as other investors are panicking and selling, we often step in and buy. A value investor is someone who tries to know the true value of something so that they can save money and buy it on sale. So how is waiting to buy any different than timing the market? Well, before I answer that, let's first talk about what value investors are, and to do that we can look to the father of value investors in Benjamin Graham, who was Warren Buffett's mentor. Graham said that investors are long-term thinkers, those not willing to buy and sell for a quick profit. Speculators, on the other hand, are stock traders who are very active and looking for short-term gains and minimal losses. So value investors make money by buying undervalued quality assets and then waiting a long period of time, potentially forever, as they appreciate. And while we wait, us dividend investors get paid a share of the profits in the form of a dividend. Buying great companies at bargain prices and holding them for a very long time allows us to take advantage of compounding, which lets our passive income snowball grow faster, as well as avoid capital gains from selling, though you may have some taxes on your dividends depending on a variety of factors. One of the concepts Graham had was work equals return, i.e. the more work you put into your investments, the higher your return will probably be. I take that to mean that the more effort you're willing to do in researching your investments, then the higher the likelihood there is that your returns will improve, on average, over the long run. But that doesn't mean to constantly trade into and out of positions. In my experience, good investors are the ones who can invest and then relax, rather than constantly trade, which is why broad market ETFs are usually the smartest way to go, which also aligns to when Graham said that the defensive investor could get an average return by simply buying the 30 stocks of the Dow Jones Industrial Average in equal amounts. Anyways, value investors like to find stocks that they calculate the market is underestimating. 
Value investors believe the market overreacts to good and bad news, resulting in stock price movements that do not correspond to a company's long-term fundamentals. That overreaction offers an opportunity to profit by buying stocks at discounted prices, i.e. on sale. Sometimes investors are panicked and they sell, driving prices down, or sometimes people are FOMOing into stocks, maybe because they're chasing what everyone else out there appears to be doing, or maybe because some new technology gets released which looks like it'll be compelling, or whatever. Lots of things move stock prices, including earning reports, analyst opinions, lawsuits, regulations, product recalls, news headlines, acquisitions, psychological biases, market cyclicality, etc. And don't forget what Buffett once said, which is that price is what you pay, value is what you get. Us value investors understand that a stock is a small percentage ownership in a company, and we want to own companies that have sound fundamentals, good financials, and a promising future, ideally buying when a price is below intrinsic value. Listen to this clip I edited together from this year's Berkshire conference, where Buffett and Munger are talking about value investing in this era of new AI. I think value investors are going to have a harder time now that there's so many of them competing for a diminished bunch of opportunities. So my advice to value investors is to get used to making less. But Buffett is more of an optimist than Munger. But I, I would argue that uh, that uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. Uh, new things coming along don't take away the opportunities. What gives you opportunities is other people doing dumb things. And uh, it, it's that. Uh, and I think that I think if you don't run too much money, which we do, but if you're running small amounts of money, I think I think the opportunities will be greater. But then Charlie and I have always differed on this subject. He, he likes to tell me how gloomy the world is, and, and I, I like to tell him we'll find something. And, and so far, we've both been kind of right. <laughs> Buffett also sees problems with many investors. The world is overwhelmingly short-term focused. And if you go to an investor relations call, they're all trying to figure out how to fill out a sheet to show the earnings for the year. And the management is interested in feeding them expectations that will slightly be beaten. I mean, that, that is a world that's made to order for anybody that's trying to think about what you do that should work over five or 10 or 20 years. And uh, I, I just think that I would love to be born today and go out with not too much money and hopefully turn it into a lot of money. So those clips had a few gems worth thinking about for us dividend investors. Like the way to make money is by not doing dumb things. Dumb would be panic selling when the markets are shaky and smart would be buying when others are fearful. Dumb would be having a short-term trading mindset that so many speculative investors have in today's society, while smart would be thinking and planning and investing for the long term. In my opinion, smart dividend investors buy more in recessions because companies are often deeply discounted, but we aren't sitting on the sidelines all in cash waiting for the proverbial downturn. There's a distinction in philosophy there of one that waits for a crash to invest, i.e. a market timer, versus one that buys when things are cheap, i.e. a value investor. The good news is that you can find inexpensive quality stocks in any market on any day. Market timers also often dump their stocks because they feel the market has topped. Now I personally shy away from selling my stocks even if they are overpriced, unless they are so grossly overpriced that I can't handle it. 
I did an entire video on when I'd sell a stock that I recommend you watch if you haven't yet. So hopefully now you can understand my nuanced view and why I don't consider having the patience to buy a stock when it's cheaper than its intrinsic value, the same as timing the market. I mean, it's fair to say that value investing is timing the market and that investors are timing their purchases when stocks are undervalued, but it's not market timing in the traditional sense of predicting if a stock will go up or down, which itself is another subtle nuanced view into things. And sure, if I buy when something is cheap, then you could infer that I believe it will eventually trend up, but I'm not buying because I think the stock will go up, per se, but instead my focus is on it being priced at a compelling spot. And then once I buy, I hope to hold my companies for the remainder of my life. If you've watched my channel over the last four years, then you'd notice that I buy or sell a stock only about once a year on average. Now there are lots of ways to value stocks. One way some people value companies is by analyzing their price to book or book value, which measures the value of a company's assets and compares them to the stock price. If the price is lower than the value of the assets, the stock is undervalued, assuming the company is not in financial hardship. And never look at one metric in isolation, because you also want to be looking at a company's debt, its equity, sales, growth metrics, etc. to help decide if you want to purchase shares, assuming the stock's price relative to its intrinsic value is attractive enough. You always want to be able to understand how a company is making money and what's moving the needle. Like are they raising prices on their products and services? Are they decreasing expenses? Are they acquiring companies? Are they closing down unprofitable divisions? Are they innovating new revenue streams? Going deep with understanding your investments is something Buffett recommends when he says that people should stay within their circle of competence when investing. Now one way some people assess if a dividend stock is on sale is by looking at its dividend yield trend over time. I made an entire video on that called How to Value a Dividend Stock Using Dividend Yield Theory. The TLDR is that for blue chip dividend stocks, dividend yields tend to revert to the mean. Mean is another word for average, so this is just saying that for quality dividend stocks, their trend of yield percentage over time drive towards its historical average percentage. Thus a stock's dividend yield fluctuates around a relatively fixed level, which approximates its fair value. If a stock's current yield is far enough above its historical yield trend, then the stock may be undervalued. An easy place you can check yield trends is on Seeking Alpha, where like you can type in J&J &J and then click on the Dividends tab and then on the Dividend Yield tab. Free accounts show 5 years of yield history, or premium accounts, like the one I'm on, can show up to 10 years of history. If I just eyeball this J&J dividend yield chart and try to guess at the midpoint, I'd say it's around a 2.75%, and since J&J is above that percentage today, then dividend yield theory indicates that J&J is undervalued. Another common way to value a stock is to analyze its P.E. trends over time, and again try to find its average P.E. P.E. stands for price over earnings, which is share price divided by earnings per share. Historically, a 15 P.E. is considered average or fair value for most stocks, and above 15 generally means expensive, and below may mean inexpensive, broadly speaking. Some stocks in some industries run hotter or cooler than 15 average, and P.E.s aren't ideal for all stocks, like REITs and MLPs. In fact, the P.E. ratio can actually provide a pretty misleading value for MLPs, because MLPs typically have very high depreciation charges due to the asset-heavy nature of their business. That depreciation eats into earnings, but not cash flow, which is why cash flow is king when it comes to MLPs. Another way to value dividend stocks is via discounted cash flow analysis, i.e. a DCF. DCFs are used to estimate the value of an investment based on its forecasted cash flows. It establishes a rate of return or discount rate by looking at dividends, earnings, and cash flows to attempt to properly value a business. In other words, DCFs try to answer the question, how much money will I get from this investment over a period of time, and how does that compare to the amount I could make from other investments? 
It does this by adjusting for the time value of money, which assumes a dollar invested today is worth more than a dollar invested tomorrow because it's generating interest over that period. Jimmy on Learn to Invest has a bunch of great videos and templates you can use to calculate DCFs. Another common way to value blue chip dividend stocks is by using the Dividend Discount Model or DDM. The Dividend Discount Model is based on the theory that a dividend stock's present day price is worth the sum of all of its future dividend payments when discounted back to their present value. If the DDM value is greater than the current stock price, then the stock is undervalued and maybe should be bought. If the DDM value is lower, then the opposite is true. If you'd like me to do an entire video either on DCFs or DDMs, then leave me a comment telling me what you'd like to see. But to be clear, you shouldn't buy a stock just because you calculate it's cheap. Cheap doesn't mean good investment. And remember that value investors often have their own margin of safety amount that they want to see below the intrinsic value based on their risk tolerance. So like you might calculate that a stock's intrinsic value is 100 bucks, and you decide that you want a 50% margin of safety before you buy, thus you wait until it falls under 85 bucks to jump in. Benjamin Graham only bought stocks when they were priced at two-thirds or less of their intrinsic value. That was the margin of safety he felt was necessary to earn the best returns while minimizing investment downside. But you'll find that it'll take a lot of patience to wait for your stocks to get below their intrinsic values. And again, beyond intrinsic value, you obviously want to invest in quality companies, i.e. those that have strong brands, business models, markets they operate in, competitive advantages, strong credit ratings, etc., etc. Now, when you estimate the intrinsic value of a stock, some people like to use historical metrics more in their analysis, and some like to use future growth estimates more. I find value in trying to do both. That being said, estimating intrinsic values is some art and some science, and two different people can analyze the same company and arrive at different conclusions. Some people like to incorporate professional analyst growth estimates, and others try to figure it out on their own. Some people use tools, and other people build their own calculators. Now, a fair question is, can most people beat the market by being value investors? And the answer is generally no, which is why broad market ETFs are the easier route. But if you work at it, you can still do good enough that you might want to buy individual stocks, especially if you want to be able to craft your own dividend yield that is higher than what the market ETFs give you. I personally really enjoy owning individual companies, and that enjoyment has kept me motivated to keep learning and investing for decades, and I honestly don't know if I'd be as interested if I only had ETFs. Okay, let's pivot to market timing a bit. So market timing is an investing strategy in which the investor tries to identify the best times to be in the market and when to get out. Proponents of market timing feel they can get better returns than other investing approaches. Critics say that's crazy because market volatility, in the short term, comes almost randomly, making the risk of misjudgment significant. Thus, my perspective is that trying to buy stocks when they're cheaper than their intrinsic value is not timing the market. It's simply being a prudent, patient, and intelligent investor, which just happens to be the title of Benjamin Graham's famous investing book, which I'll have an Amazon affiliate link in the description of this video too, as an Amazon associate I earn from qualifying purchases. Now, another aspect to consider of market timing versus value investing is about deploying cash when something is cheap versus sitting on cash waiting for a deal. This data from Schwab sets the stage for what I mean. Schwab modeled five different approaches of investing $2,000 a year for 20 years into the SP500. In the perfect timing first scenario, they pretended that the person was able to invest their $2,000 the lowest point of the SP500 each year. The invest immediately scenario represented someone who invested their $2,000 on the first trading day of each year, regardless of price. The dollar cost averaging scenario split the $2,000 annual investment into 12 equal tranches and assumed those tranches were invested each month into the SP500. 
The bad timing scenario was the opposite of the first scenario, and specifically modeled what returns would be like over 20 years if someone invested their 2k annual contribution at the high point of the SP500 each year. And the last scenario model staying in cash. So obviously the perfect timing strategy wins, where you'd ended a portfolio worth 151 grand. Next best is the scenario if you had invested immediately, where you had ended 135 grand. Right behind it was DCA, which also ended at almost 135k. Then investing at the highest point of the SP500 each year for over 20 years would make you end at 121k. And then the worst option was just sitting in cash the whole time, where you ended at 44k. Note this was from the year 2000 to 2020. Bottom line, this research says that the cost of waiting for the perfect moment to invest typically exceeds the benefit of even perfect timing. So does that mean that value investors are making a mistake by waiting to invest? Well, I'm someone who considers himself a value investor, but I never sit on investable cash. What I mean is that the second I have investable cash, I invest it. Though I'll generally only invest it into stocks that I calculate are at their intrinsic value or lower. Thus, I'm trying to capitalize on both investing immediately as well as investing when things are cheap. Note, Schwab also analyzed all 76 rolling 20-year periods dating back to 1926, and in 66 of the 76 periods, the results were similar. So like you can see how the perfect timing scenario pretty much always ended up as the best returns option, which is intuitive, and then investing immediately and dollar cost averaging were next, then bad timing was fourth best, and then finally sitting in cash and never buying stocks usually did the worst. Thus, stay invested, spend more time in the market than out of it, and the classic saying of time in the market beats time in the market should be your north star. This chart really drives that point home. The pie chart on the left depicts how great stock appreciation days can happen even in bad markets. We see that 52% of the best days in the SP500 from 1993 to 2022 happened in bear markets, and then 26% occurred in the first two months of a bull market, versus 22% for the rest of a bull market. This means you shouldn't be dancing into and out of the markets and expect to do well. Missing the best days in the market is costly, as the right side of the chart depicts. Like if you had been fully invested in the SP500 over the last 30 years, then a 10k investment would have grown to 158k. But if you'd missed just the 10 best days, then you'd have less than half of your overall return, ending at 72k. Or if you'd missed the 20 best days over 30 years, you'd only have 42k instead of 158k. And if you'd missed the 30 best days over that 30 year period, then your ending balance would only be about 27k. So I prefer to put effort into learning how to value stocks and then do a combination of investing immediately or DCAing into underpriced stocks. But I think you can also do fine if you just slowly DCA into all your positions. So don't stress if you're going that simpler route. Look, most people don't invest to begin with, so the fact that you're doing so already puts you ahead of the norm. And a nice aspect of DCAing is it forces you to invest rather than procrastinate or be too scared to invest, regardless of what the market is doing. I mean, look at what's happened in the last few years. Did we know that a pandemic would hit us and the markets would crumble? Did most people think the market would shoot back so fast? Did we think 2022 would be a terrible year? Did we think rates would get pushed up this much? The point is that the market will always be crazy, so just keep investing and don't get rattled out of the markets. No one knows what the future will do, so just keep investing in quality stuff rather than sit on loads of cash. Yes, you want an emergency fund, and yes, you need to have paid off your bad debt. And yes, even the Buffets of the world would sit on some cash so that they can invest when deals are found. Anyways, I hope this video helps you understand the differences between buying a dividend stock when it's on sale versus market timing, and I hope it helps you do your investing more intelligently. And now I'd normally call out my newest Patreon or Risk Grad or King signups, but I'm still sold out. 
So instead I'll ask you to consider using my Seeking Alpha affiliate link in the description of this video, which usually gives you some extra perk when you use it and sign up to their service. I personally paid for Seeking Alpha Premium for multiple years because they're the best stock website on the internet. Now I'm grateful that they've agreed to sponsor me when I talk about them. I also have an Amazon affiliate link you can use if you click on it and then shop, and as an Amazon associate I earn from qualifying purchases. Oh, and if you appreciate when I do free dividend investing videos like this, then please hit that thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Finally, I highly recommend that you join my free dividend discord chat server, which has over 10,000 dividend investors on it from 72 countries around the world. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.